You are listening to the Social Media and Tech Podcast, brought to you by the Canadian Professional Sales Association, sharing strategies and tools to help you get the most from social selling and tech. And now your host, Bill Bannum. In this episode of the Social Media and Tech Podcast, we're going to consider what is social selling and what tools should a salesperson use? Our guest today is Jamie Jackson. Jamie is a senior business development executive at Iron Mountain and a leader of Toronto-based group Rockstar Sales. With over 15 years of sales experience, Jamie's mission is to provide sales pros with solutions to increase efficiency in day-to-day sales activities. Jamie, welcome to the Social Media and Tech Podcast. It's, it's great to have you here today. Thank you. It's nice to be back. So let's, uh, let's jump into our questions. Firstly, what, what, what does social selling mean to you? Because it means different things to different people. But what, is, what does it mean to Jamie Jackson? Sure. It definitely changes. Um, as a frontline rep, what social selling means to me is it's using a different set of tools to gather information about my prospects and then engage with them. And that process has changed over the last 10 years. It's changed over the last five years. And social selling is really the evolution of where it's going next. Tell our listeners a bit about you, your job, and how social selling is, is part of your average day. Sure. So I'm a frontline rep for a Fortune 700 company. And I sell into B2B prospects every single day. That's my job. Um, and my, I spend also spend a lot of time with uh, Rockstar Sales, coaching salespeople. So in terms of how I use social media, I, I use some form of social selling every single day. Uh, the main tool that I use on a day-to-day basis is LinkedIn. And my activities as a rep probably don't look very different from anybody listening to this. You are building lead lists. You are connecting with those people, trying to book meetings. And you're doing those meetings, and then once you get those first meetings down, it's booking the follow-up and trying to qualify those opportunities out. Um, my day, I would say, looks look very similar to most B2B reps. I suppose the difference is is where social selling really comes in is the prospecting. It's finding out who you need to talk to and then engaging with them. Great. Thank you very much. In a moment, we're going to speak a little bit about uh, this this term, multi-channel sales funnel, and the uh, the, the the general ecosystem. But before that, uh, in terms of top lead generation tools for professionals, for for in-house sales professionals, what 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 are your one or two preferred software tools? Um, I'm guessing you're probably going to say LinkedIn is one of them. Yeah, no problem. Well, actually, there's two tools really for, for lead generation. When you come to building a list of people that you need to talk to and you want to reach out to, there's two tools. One is definitely LinkedIn, the sales navigator tool, allowing you to select um, the type of companies that you want to talk to, the type of positions, the seniority level, um, and finding out what people do. In the old days, we used to spend a lot of time calling up people and saying, can I speak to the person responsible for? I don't know if you remember those days. Uh, these days, long gone. LinkedIn can tell you that in five seconds. Um, so that's one way to build lead lists. The other major tool that I use is really Upwork. Uh, Upwork is a collection of freelancers who do all sorts of different things. I primarily use them to find people to build lead lists for me. I find that as a rep, 
it's not the best use of my time doing administrative work, finding out who the VP of marketing is for companies with more than 200 employees located in a specific geographic area. I can pay someone else to go on, use LinkedIn Sales Navigator, turn that into a spreadsheet, give them, give me a hyperlink back to their LinkedIn profile and find their email address and send them a blank email to make sure that it's actual a real email address. That's how I find leads these days. Okay. So you've got uh, lots of people in the background helping you with the, the prospecting and the, and the researching and so on and so forth. So how do you then use use LinkedIn? Uh, would you then go through and uh, send in mails, uh, try and connect with people? What, what, what's that process? Sure. And that process is actually changing. Um, what's working right now may be different from what's working a year ago. So these days, once I found the people that I want to talk to, I typically have a four contact strategy. So contact number one, I found now actually the best way to start off that contact is with a direct email to their company email address. This has changed. So uh, LinkedIn hit a tipping point uh, in 2014 where more than 50% of the users were now accessing LinkedIn on their mobile devices. So my theory was that my prospects would start responding to that because it's like sending them a text message. But something happened. And I'm not sure what, I'm not sure why. My suspicion is, is that a lot more people started buying Sales Navigator. So they started getting a lot more emails. And I found that in-mail as that first tool, as that first contact is not the best way to go. I send an email directly to their company email address. Uh, probably first and second. My third one might be through LinkedIn. Um, usually if I'm finding their company email address is bounced, they're usually moved on. They're, they're now working somewhere else. They've quit. They're, which is not necessarily mean you don't want to stay in contact with them. You do. People will end up finding another job, probably doing something very similar to what they're doing now. So those aren't necessarily prospects that you write off. Still maintain a relationship and, and make sure you add some value there. And then for me, uh, it's two emails, then a LinkedIn. And then there's usually a phone call, depending on the value of that prospect. If it's somebody that I really need to talk to, I will absolutely put in a phone call. Um, and then as a fourth, it's a follow, final follow-up email saying, hey, I've tried to miss you. Uh, I've tried to reach you a few times. We missed each other. Here are my contact details. Here's why we might want to chat. We'll be around if you need us. You've just spoken there a lot about the direct approaches, the the uh, sales approaches what what about the the pr the publicity where maybe the marketing team comes comes in and supports tell us a little bit about uh ways that you found uh work well when i don't know sharing content on the linkedin pulse or perhaps um updating on on linkedin about an event that you're you're hosting on online or in-person event do, do you find linkedin is a good publicity tool or is it really all about prospecting that's a good question. Um, it, it's really, it is a good publicity tool, but in a way that most people don't think. What I hear about a lot in social selling these days is that publish a bunch of articles, uh, put, a, put great content up on Pulse, and your prospect will call you and say, hey, let's do a deal. Um, I've done that. I've written a bunch of articles. And I have a LinkedIn group, um, and I find that I do not get leads out of that. I do not end up winning business out of that. And as a salesperson, it is very obvious. Either you're winning business or you're not. Um, for me, it's not. What it is very useful for is watching what my prospects are sharing or writing. 
um, or people that work in a target company that I need to talk to, what they're sharing and writing, because I find that allows me an opportunity to connect. Um, yesterday, um, I saw an article from one of my target companies. Uh, it was actually a very interesting article that they had shared on Pulse. And it's not somebody that I knew within the company. I reached out and I said, hey, I really like that article. And I mentioned a couple of things about that article so they know I read it. And I said, you know, what I really want to talk about is this, but I'm not sure how to navigate in the organization. So they got back to me and they said, I'm not sure who, who that person is. Let me check and get back to you. It offers uh, an opening to connect, if that makes sense. But it's not necessarily uh, a question of, at least for me as a B2B rep, publish a bunch of great content and leads will come through the door. It hasn't worked that way for me. Let's now move away from, from LinkedIn. And instead, I'd, I'd, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about uh, places where you store and uh, search for prospects and clients. And I'm, I'm talking here, CRMs. Right. What CRMs have, have you used in the past? Um, what would you recommend? And any any nightmare stories out there? Um, it, it's a big it, it's a big part of the prospecting, you know, ha having your your data in in a CRM where you can quickly go in and and understand the the warmth of a lead, what industry they're from, and and so on. So, tell us a bit about that. Not a problem. So I've been around long enough. Uh, I've been doing this for well over 15 years that I, I remember the old Axe days. I remember Siebel systems days and right up to Salesforce and a lot of the, uh, a lot of the newer ones that are free and a little bit more user-friendly. I think I've used pretty much all of them at one point or another. Uh, these days I end up using Salesforce the most because it's what my company has told us to use. That's where the data goes. That said, as a CRM system, I haven't found any of them to be terribly useful in terms of helping me guide my prospecting activity. Um, Salesforce, for me, in the way the instance, the way that it's set up, gives me a good view of the different deals that I'm working on and the stage that they're working on so that I can nurture those appropriately. That's useful. What it doesn't do is it doesn't give me um, a list of people that I've talked to and who's responding to that. Most of the time, how I'm managing that data in terms of who do I need to actually talk to to make the phone ring and generate business, I'm actually using Yesware most often. I'm looking at their reports to see who's opening my emails, who's opening my attachments, and who's responding to the stuff, who's sharing it. Because there's this myth in sales that you can convince somebody to buy something. That is a myth. It's a lie. It does not exist. You don't convince people to do things. What you do is you meet them halfway. You find out what their needs are. You meet them halfway and say, here's how I may be able to help that need. And then you will either step forward and say, that's really interesting, or they won't. Um, doesn't mean there's not skill and magic and all those other wonderful things in sales, but it's not the, you know, the Jedi mind trick of sales and convincing them to buy something. So what Yesware does is it allows me to see who's meeting me halfway. Does that make sense? It does. Um, and you've, you've hit on, upon something else where I think we could have a whole different episode. And that, that's around the idea of, is, is there an inherent culture within a sales department which resists the use of CRMs and instead goes after those active contacts and doesn't want to waste time on certain uh, longer term prospects when there are new opportunities that you can measure through open rates and click through rates. I'm getting very excited about that. I suspect you and I will come back on another show in the future and, and talk about that 
Um, but would you say that uh, using a, a CRM is maybe useful for uh, for more junior salespeople, people who are first coming into a role, they're, they're, they're learning the trade, they're, they're, they're learning how to uh, segment and um, treat, treat a sales funnel uh, as a 12-month thing. Do, do, do you think that's where it's most helpful? Honestly, no. Uh, CRM systems are built for the company to keep track of what you're doing so that you can be easily replaced. That's what they're there for. Um, as a junior rep coming in, you'll find that the CRM systems that you're given will give you a couple of key pieces of information. Um, it'll give you a storage area for the contact details and sometimes email history of the different prospects. So that in and of itself is useful because you have one place to go so you know how to contact your prospects and what you said to them last. Um, the other thing it'll do is it'll give you a, a sense for what deals are in play. Usually when you're starting a new job as a junior rep, there's usually a couple of deals in play. Um, they're usually stalled as well. So the question is, where did that leave off? What can I do to move this forward? And what's the next step? Because you may be able to rescue those stalled deals. You may not be, but you need to have a sense of where they are and make sure that you've got some ideas to move them forward. Uh, in my experience, at least, most of those stalled deals that you're going to inherit as a junior rep are garbage. Um, you'll be lucky to pull out one or two deals if they give you 10. Love it. That was a great answer. This show is now becoming controversial with uh, bold statements. Love it. Loving it. Um, <laughs> okay. So the, the focus of, of, of this episode is uh, social selling and, and the tools that you use around that tool is a general term. So let, let's use it in, a, in, in that way just for a second uh, and talk about training and learning. Can you provide maybe two or three resources you'd suggest that salespeople check out to learn more about social selling strategies and, and tools? So that could be a course, that could be a website. There's a bunch of information available out there. Um, the first thing you need to realize is that the main, when they, people talk about social selling, if you're a B2B rep as opposed to a B2C rep, the vast majority of the tool that you're going to use is all LinkedIn. So start with the tutorials um, around LinkedIn Sales Navigator. They're free. That's where you start with social selling. Uh, take a look at a lot of the research. LinkedIn publishes a, a lot of research, and there's a lot of research just on Google about when are the best times to publish. If you're going to publish a Pulse article, when's the best time to do that? What are the best keywords to use? What are the best images to use? There's a lot of information available about how to make that more effective, um, how to make your in-mails more effective. And I suppose we, we could just talk about that. that. That initial outreach email is a critical skill for most salespeople, especially if you're a junior rep. That's the first thing you have to learn if you're a hunter. Uh, even actually, come to think of it, even if you're a farmer and you're uh, developing that account, you have to be able to reach out to people and inspire them to get in contact with you and get a meeting. That's a skill, and it takes a lot of time. It takes typically about 18 months for somebody to learn that. Um, we could do an entire podcast just on that. So when it comes to social selling, yes, there's, there's some great tools available. Sales for Life has some great training out there as well. But if you're a junior rep just starting now, start with the free information available on the internet in terms of how this all works, and then tuck into the, the real meat of it is how do I reach out and contact somebody and get them to, to give me a meeting? That's what you need to learn. Jamie Jackson, thank you so much. Uh, that takes us to the end of uh, Social Media and Tech. 
podcast episode. But uh, I'd just like to say thank you very much for, for being our guest today. Not a problem. It's my pleasure. Always happy to be here. And listeners, until next time, this has been the Social Media and Tech Podcast brought to you by the CPSA. Thank you for listening to the Social Media and Tech Podcast brought to you by the Canadian Professional Sales Association.